This week on Casa de Confidence, we have Gail Scott. Gail helps women to feel confident in their look and image in real life pics, video, and online. And she's the co-host and creator of the Midlife Moxie. Welcome to Casa de Confidence, a podcast for women and some cool dudes going in the direction of their dreams and the confidence it takes to reach them. I'm your host, Julie DeLuca Collins. And your sidekick, handsome hot husband, that again. I am a dreamer, a traveler, a missionary, and risk taker. I am a lover of books, activist, philanthropist, and most of all, we are supporter of people and their dreams. If you're someone from Casa for the first time, welcome. If you've been here before, we're so glad you're back. Grab your drink of choice. Settle in and make yourself at home. I just came back from Sesame Street. Really? <laughs> Not really, but I got to meet Maria from Sesame Street. Como se dice Sesame Street en español? Plaza Sesamo. Ah, very good. Plaza Sesamo. Hey, welcome to Casa de Confidence, everybody. I'm Dan. And I'm Julie. <laughs> yeah, Julie just got back from an event. We are open for business, people. And the social season here in Hartford is open. We gather today for In the Company of Women. And Julie met Maria from Sesame Street. Would it help to know her real name? Her name is Maria. That's what I know her as because that's what I grew up with. Oh, my God. But you know her name is Sonia in real life. Well, I know her as Maria. That's her name on the show. Oh, my God. Okay. Hmm. First first of all, I got to tell you one thing about her. Okay. Her name is Sonia Manzano, and she is a New Yorker, and she spoke like my people, and it made me homesick for my people. <laughs> she grew up in the South Bronx, and although my dad's family moved to the Bronx from Manhattan in the 70s, when I used to visit my grandmother in New York City, um, she had moved out of Manhattan and was living in the Bronx. So I felt like I was sitting in the living room hearing my grandma and my aunts and my titis, rather, um, all speak in Puerto Rican Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> and I loved it. I had uh, so much fun. Did you know, here's a little tidbit for you. Okay. So Maria told us about how <clears throat> she um, went to the performing arts school in New York. That's, you know, fame. I want to live forever. That's where she went to school. And then when she graduated. Are you going to learn how to fly? fly? <laughs> Ridiculous. Okay. Anyway. Um, see, now you made me lose my train of thought because Sorry. we're all like flying together. Okay, so she got accepted into college into Carnegie Mellon. Mm. And when she went to college at Carnegie Mellon, she is part of the original cast of Godspell. Really? Mm hmm. Huh. Isn't that interesting? That's amazing. Yes. And then, you know, what I learned also is that when she started in Sesame Street, that... Plaza Sesame. 
Plaza Sesame. Sesame. Oh, oh my God. I can't even say uh, it now that you made me. I think I got it right. You probably got it right. Anyway, <laughs> when, when she started on Sesame Street, yes. they, they had, you know, how they had the fruit cart. The one thing that she's like, um, if this is supposed to be the Bronx and this is the fruit cart with bananas and apples, you're missing the mark because we really have pineapples and platanos. <laughs> <laughs> so then they said, well, whatever you think needs to be more authentic. So then she started to contribute to the show more. So there you go. It's time to speak up for ourselves, people, because... You could be a 15 Emmy Award winning writing actress and a lifetime daytime mm. Emmy Award. Can you wow. imagine that? <laughs> so I I watched a show. It's called The Streets, maybe. Uh, it's a documentary oh, okay. about the creation of Sesame Street. You did? Oh, how come? Um, well, I didn't watch that. I would have watched that. I would have watched that. I think it's on Netflix, but it, really good mm. about how intentional they were Yeah. about about getting um, children educated and how it was rejected by certain regions of the country. I bet. And it took activism to get it into um, different places. Public television. Yeah. Now, the other interesting thing that we talked about, well, she, she did in her keynote, is how, you know, they're like the monsters, right? Um, you couldn't, there were no monsters that were black and brown. So like female monsters that were black and brown hmm. because for instance, it, it, yeah, you couldn't like think of cookie monster, right? You would have an overeating woman hmm. <laughs> with an eating disorder, eating cookies. <laughs> so there's a lot. Anyhow, it, it was super interesting, but the company of women was, it's an event that is a yearly event that the proceeds benefit here, the YWCA. Mm. And as you know, people, if you've been listening to my show, I am a big proponent of philanthropy and I'm a proponent of investing into programs into the community. And I have to say, I got a little teary and misty during the event because I, um, I, my, my original background is early childhood and I, I knew this, right? Like we know a lot of things, but we take it for granted. The YWCA ran the daycare centers that stayed open during the pandemic. Hmm. And the, the, especially the ones that served first responders and the amount of work that it took to, first of all, work with two year olds and have them not play with each other. And take their temperatures in the middle of their day and keep everything clean and wiped down. And so what an amazing work. And I think that early childhood has for many years, yes, and teachers are sometimes not as appreciated, but early childhood in particular, um, 70% of what we learn in a lifetime comes from the education that we received um, early on. Mm. And I I love that they're doing these programs. If you have a YWCA in your area or a United Way or any of these amazing organizations, the Boys and Girls Club, get involved because these are the programs that level the playing field for everyone. 
kids that received early childhood education will be the kids that have a better time learning in school and won't fall behind. So I'm well, getting sounds, off my platform for that. It for sounds now. like you had a, a great event, great Oh my time. God, it was, it was wonderful. I saw people. a lot of people mm-hmm. that I have not seen through the pandemic. I saw people that I have seen in a pandemic from afar. And it was wonderful to just be in a big room with people. And um, you know the one thing about the YWCA luncheon that the United Way doesn't do? What's the one thing? They have an open bar. <laughs> That's right up your alley. Well, it's not like I sat around and drank. But of sadly, course. I will say, typically when we go to these events, they're at the convention center here. And then afterwards, we go for like a glass of Prosecco and cheers the mm-hmm. event committee. Well, apparently the bar at the Marriott was closed, so nobody ah. could go. So. They missed out on an opportunity to have a bunch of women, you know, <laughs> toasting each other after the event. Well, so. So, anyhow, what are you up to? What am I up to? Well, mm-hmm. I was just getting done uh, editing a podcast for one of our friends and. Clients. Well, they are also friends. Our clients are our friends. Our clients are our part of our family. Are, yes. At Casa the Confidence. So, anyway, just got that done and mm-hmm. just waiting for you to come home from your event yeah and there you came a strolling in all fantastic and fabulous and yeah. looking great and i had to put real clothes yeah. on people real not that clothes. i don't wear real clothes because i dress every day for work and i put makeup on but i had mm-hmm. to wear i could not wear heels i just couldn't do it i had to wear a dress and a like a business jacket go figure mm. That was power the, dress. I had to power dress today. Power dress. I need to get rid of a lot of clothes. So. Anyhow, speaking of looking good. Looking good. <laughs> um, our guest today. Gail Scott. I Can I just tell you, I can watch her on Instagram forever. Mm. You know why? Why? Because first of all, she is the embodiment of confidence. And I love her eyelashes. <laughs> I love her eyelashes. Love her eyelashes. Okay. Well, you know, I have to admire the things that I don't have. And my eyelashes have been going downhill in this These midlife. Eyelash- oh, I'm looking at a picture right now. Yeah. It's very, very long eyelashes. Yeah. Amazing, huh? Hmm. balls. And so she, you know, she started her community, the Midlife Moxie, because – all of a sudden, she's like, holy camasso, we're in this brand new world. And I don't know if I love this whole midlife and I need to navigate it. We're in our midlife. Yes, we are in our midlife. Oh, aren't you glad I didn't have a crisis? <laughs> well, you just hit 50, so. <laughs> That's that past I'm, my midlife then. Not that I'm encouraging you oh. to have a crisis in I midlife. Oh, widow. There's no Corvette in the parking lot. There could be a truck. Parking lot, driveway, whatever. could be yeah, a truck. It could be a truck. A truck is utilitarian. Hmm. I mean, I could have like a Mustang out there or Corvette. First of all, if anybody's going to drive a sports car in this household, it's going to be me. Really? Okay. Mm-hmm. Anyway, but Gail, um, she is the founder of the Midlife Moxie. And we had this amazing conversation about how life is really changing and evolving. And the funny thing is that for her – 
She's been a supporter of women and has been doing a lot of work um, supporting and coaching and building women up. And now she has this platform with her podcast and she has a co-host, Christina Massey. And I love everything that they're doing as far as helping women just normalize the changes in the conversation around midlife. Because, you know, our mothers, when they hit midlife, it was sort of like the end of the world. Or our grandmothers, they hit midlife, and they immediately went to the hair salon for that, you know. It's called a perm. Per- yeah. It's like, Come on. It's a permanent perm. A Curls. perm? Curl. Yeah. Not for me. You know, that's uh-huh. just not, not happening well, for me. Well, it's a different generation. That was the style then. My mom always had a perm. Yeah, it's like that, like little bouffant sort of like hair. Not nothing wrong. Sorry, seal. Don't don't strike me, but it's not my haircut. <laughs> it's a different different style now. Yeah, no. and women at one point decided that it, you know they needed to cut their hair because they hit a certain age. But not that there's no mm. need for that. People, we can live as amazing lives, if not more exciting lives now. And and I love that uh, Christina and Gail in particular are doing that. Um, you know, if you haven't, you have to check her out on Instagram. Have you seen any of her reels on Instagram? I, I'm not sure. I've shown you her reels. I showed you yes, the reels. Yes, you've showed me. A okay. Yes, 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 yes. Remember the one, okay, for for April Fool's. And I, at first I was like, mm-hmm. what is going on? She put her eyelashes Underneath, on the bottom, the I bottom, remember yeah. on the bottom. Yeah, okay. So that was fun. Um, but I, I really love the conversation with other women. You know, I actually met someone today, and she is in this midlife, and she was dressed beautifully. And someone introduced me to her, and they said, oh, Julie, you know, does coaching. She's been working with our our team, et cetera, et cetera, here. And she's like, you do coaching? What kind of coaching? And I, my friend who introduced me started to talk about the podcast, et cetera. And all of a sudden this woman's like, you left corporate and there's another world. And, and you can tell as I dug into the conversation with the woman, she has been in corporate America for a long time. And all of a sudden the prospect of now that she's leaving that job, she doesn't know what's next for her. And I know that this happens to a lot of women where you've been defined either by a role or defined by a job or defined by motherhood. And when some of this changes, right, then all of a sudden you have a lot of questions and doubts and fear, right? Right. And I think now that, you know, when you get to that midlife stage, and, you know, you're becoming an empty nester possibly. Mm-hmm. Or, and so there's other options. There's, there's other things that, yeah. that could occur in your life. And, and it's, it's yeah. good and okay to change. Absolutely. And I to think realize that there's, we're afraid of change. Oh, I can do this. It's like when you're a kid and maybe you go to college or maybe you move out of home <laughs> and you realize you can make some of your own decisions now. You know, as an adult <laughs> in this household, the other day, I'm going to make a confession. You ready for this confession? Okay. Because yes. I, I'm an adult. I may, I may have an actor contrition waiting for you on the back end of this confession. Okay, Father Dan. <laughs> so I woke up the other morning and I was hungry, but I wasn't sure. We didn't have any eggs and I didn't feel like making um, like my little sweet potato waffles. And then I thought, what do we have in the freezer? 
And I opened it up and there was ice cream. I'm like, oh, I'm going to have my leftover ice cream from the other night. So that's what I had for breakfast. Oh, this morning? Not this morning. Like oh. last week sometime. Oh, that's was what it happens when, when you're an adult. You can oh, do that. Oh, that's right. You had your, um, we, we had Dairy <laughs> Queen. <laughs> so anyway, so I hope everyone enjoys. Yes. And here's one this quote is, that Gail has that I want to leave everybody with right. before the interview Let's is the, the answer may not be pulling up your Big girl panties and maybe finding your big girl boys. Mm. So midlife moxie, it's a good place to start to find your big girl voice and pay, maybe pull up your panties. <laughs> <laughs> so without further ado, Julie and Gail Scott. Well, welcome, Gail Scott. Casa de Confidence is thrilled to have you. I've been excited and looking forward to our chat. Tell us who you are. I'm so glad to be here, Julie. Well, Julie, I've got my hand in several things. I'm a long-term <laughs> beauty teacher um, yes. for 27 years. I love helping women look their best. And as I rolled into midlife, though, I noticed some changes happening both physically and mentally, and I started to have conversations with other women. And what mm. I also noticed is that we didn't really have a platform for these conversations and that I wanted to get real on social media. I, I had also also just wanted to have a podcast. Every time I listened to one, I would think, I could do that. That would be so fun to talk to people it like that. It is super fun to do that. Yes, I love did. it. And... That's how Midlife Moxie was born. We wanted to give women this space for connection, for community, to bring in experts and ask them all the questions mm -hmm. that nobody gets to ask, like about leaking bladders and, yeah, um, you know, who, who, nobody talked and, about this. When I got here, I was like, wait a minute. No one really said about waking up when you finally fall asleep in the middle of the night and then you, you know, it's, it's taken you a while to get there. And then when you like all of a sudden are awakened from this wonderful state of sleep by this hat flash that is like, you got to throw all the covers in the middle of winter. And, you, you know, it's like, what's going on? And yeah, the leaky bladder, the skin that has blood running down your leg. It's oh my good. gosh. Yeah. The hair that's you know, thinning. Julie, what we found too was. As we started to put these things out there and have the conversations, women have reached out and said, thank you for talking about this. I oh, thought I was the only yeah. one. I know. Because I, I our mothers did not talk about this. No, my mom they never talked about a generation it. where this was very private. And part of our goal over at Midlife Moxie is that no woman ever roll into midlife so uneducated mm. and ill-prepared as we have. So next generation, we got you covered. But for there now, this go. generation, we're going to stick together. We're going to be collaborative. <sighs> we're going to share. We're going to march it out together. And we're going to take our rightful place. We're That's no right. longer going to be quiet and pushed to the side as mm -hmm. little old middle-aged women whose children are grown and we have no purpose Bahooey. Mm. This can be one of the best seasons of our lives. Yeah. You know, I actually have a client who works with women in midlife. And one of the things that we were talking about is all the different things, right? Because you could be the caretaker for your parents, the mom that is tr struggling because of an empty nest, the woman who is trying to figure out like, what do I do now? My career's over. Or they're finding themselves with a husband that they've just sort of like grown apart. Um, there's so many different things that we can talk about when it comes to midlife. And, and I love that you're doing this because like you said, my mom 
when it comes to, you know, as she grew older, she never talked about midlife or what was going on with her. She would just talk about getting old and how awful it or was. Or the change. Oh, the change. But it's Haven't wonderful. There's the so change. many wonderful things, too, that happen at this time. And I think it that that's worth talking about, It almost had been presented as a dead end to us. Yeah. It yeah. was a negative. It was a loss. It was, I'm done. I no longer have value. Mm. And... We say fooey to that. Now we have freedom. Mm. Most women in midlife have more disposable income. Yeah. They have, unless you're caring for an elderly parent, you probably have more time. Mm-hmm. Um, now we are seeing some, you know, midlife women raising grandchildren. Right. I've, I have warned my children, do not do that to me <laughs> because I, my children are 13 years apart. So Julie, for 32 years, I had a child who was under, you know, 18 that mm-hmm. I was responsible for. That's a wow. long time to raise children yeah. to legal age. And I'm ready to just be me. I married young, my mm-hmm. first marriage. And, you know, a lot of us do marry before our brains are fully developed. Mm-hmm. We make career choices before our brains are fully developed. Yeah. We take on labels and we choose paths in life that may no longer suit us. Now, I'm not advocating anyone leave their husband <laughs> unless that's the right thing for you. But our brains are developed now. We have a lot of wisdom under our belt. Yeah. And it's okay to make a midlife change, a midlife pivot, a midlife shift, and to spend some time finding out who you truly are as an adult woman. Oh, so good. And, and Gail, you know, I, I think that that is so true, that we we have to stop and take away the labels that society is trying to give us and 100%. really look to defining who we are and what we want to be for ourselves. And this is something that we don't do as often. Um, I, I want to kind of go back a little bit and talk about what your journey has been. Um, when I look at you on Instagram, I just think, oh my gosh, she's so glamorous and beautiful. And look at her makeup. Oh, you're so and you, you're amazing. And I know that you've been in the beauty industry. Tell me a little bit about how you got started. Well, it was not where you would expect me to be, Julie. I'll tell you that. I grew up a tomboy. I was an athlete. And I was never the pretty girl. I was the other girl. Like, all of my friends were beautiful, and I was the, like, wing woman. They didn't even have a name back then, but I was it. (laughs) And even in high school, I was rarely, I went to the prom, you know, at the last minute when you and one of your guy friends realized y'all don't have a date, you just decide to go together. That was my whole dance experience. I was never the homecoming queen, anything like that, even on the court, not even in consideration. (laughs) But I did get voted most dedicated athlete, so I was there in the yearbook as that. But you know what? My mother didn't put an emphasis on beauty. And I remember her telling me one time, you're not the prettiest, you're not the ugliest, you're average. And that was good enough for her. Mm-hmm. That was not good enough for me. Mm. But I, I really realized as a young woman, um, there were good and bad to that because I did marry the wrong person the first time because I married the first guy that told me I was pretty and that he loved me mm. because that tank was so empty and I needed that. And my goal was for other women not to ever think that. So we want everyone to know their beauty and their value. Um, But I, you know, rolled into my young adulthood and I started to realize I needed some skincare besides bar soap and whatever body lotion was on the counter. And so I went to one of those home party deals. Mm -hmm. I wanted to get my stuff free. And I decided I would just 
hey, I could just be a consultant for this brand and I could sell products and get mine at a big discount and my friends need it too. So they can just all get some and I'll make a little extra money and it'll be fun. <coughs> well, I quickly fell in love because mm-hmm. everything that made me a good athlete made me good in that kind of business. I decided I really loved sales and I really loved helping women look their best and that I had a gift for it, that I had so an good. eye for color. And so uh, 27 years later, <laughs> and believe me, other than being on this planet and being a daughter and a, you know, I, there's a few things in my life I've done for 27 years. So it's really kind of astonishing that I wound up here, but I really also found that I love leading women and helping women. Mm-hmm. Women needed that because a lot of them weren't learned, right? you know, didn't learn to put on makeup appropriately, weren't taught <laughs> things. They didn't have confidence. They didn't know who they were. They needed extra income. And being able to impact their lives in that way has just been a beautiful journey. Yeah. You know, I, I love the concept of leading women. I I am very familiar with the company that you work with and, you know, we can talk about it or not. Um, I worked, I, I, I did my home parties as well. I was a consultant and there was a time in which I loved the products. I, the first time I started to really care for my skin is because I went to the one of the home parties and mm-hmm. I still to this day, that's pretty much what I use consistently in at 19 women and love doing business with other women. And yeah. they love that personal touch. I know drag mm. sales sometimes gets a bad name, but drag sales has been very good to me. Yeah. I experienced a lot of growth there. I'd learned to lead and lead properly. Like I'm an Enneagram eight. So I fell out of the womb, bossing people around, but I learned to do, <laughs> I learned to lead and not boss. I learned to care about women. I learned to listen. Because mm. as you can tell, I can talk all day, but I had to learn to listen. I learned money management, time management, goal setting, my kids. <laughs> I got to be home to raise them. I homeschooled my last one. That's that's why I've got, you know, have to dye my hair to keep it from gray. That last child almost <laughs> killed me. But, um, you know, it just, it's it was good to me. It still is good to me. Yeah. But it developed me into a person that now I'm a brand of my own. I have skills that I can then teach other women outside of my consultantship there. And I just really love that. I love when I see you, when I either I hear you speak or I see your, your Instagram and I, and I love, you know, you're so inspirational. And I think that, you know, we need to be okay with, you know, dressing and feeling good. And I'm telling you, if I'm ever in a in a desert island, I'm going to be bringing my red lipstick. And that's the one thing that, you know, you And that's a color on. for you, girl. You are a red girl. Thank you. I actually, you know what's really funny? Hold on a minute. You're going to laugh at me. The color that I keep on my, and of course I have to wear glasses. I have to put glasses. Uh, the color that I keep on my desk, it is the Rose Tuscan Rose. Tuscan rose. That's a good one. But I do I do love the red and my reds are of course in the bathroom, but I keep this one here if I need a quick a quick swipe of the lipstick. Um Gail, what what do you think makes women lack in confidence? Well, you know, it's a lot of things, Julie, you know, and Ranger wants to speak to that. I'm so sorry. It's perfectly fine. You know, Don't apologize. There's no up, apologies here. Ranger, stop it. Growing up, like I had a brother. He was younger than me, but he was treated a little differently in that 
like my dad took him to his office and brought him into his business when he was in high school. Mm. I was ever working at McDonald's. So I think the way we're viewed and treated as young girls, I mean, <laughs> if I had a dollar every time I was told to settle down, be quiet, you're too mm. much. Um, I, I just, I don't know what your guidelines are on this show, but my dad told me I had all these big ass ideas. That was Gail, you and your big ass ideas. And I, I like think it. it why wouldn't I have big ass ideas? We're going to rock the world. And when mm. I was a little girl, I would even envision that I was going to be this executive. And I was going to have a fancy office and wear fancy suits and have a male secretary. I don't know where these ideas came from because that was not my upbringing. But I think from the time we're little girls in generations, our generation, at least we've been kind of shushed. Mm-hmm. We've been kind of, you know, you know, that little hand on your head, little oh, Gail. It's okay. You know, yeah, absolutely. I've been down. There. Now, I was expected to excel in school and things like that, but there was no talk of being a leader, really, and mm. ruling the world like I really want to do in my spirit. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of little girls who are born like that, and then mm-hmm. society tells them, uh, you know, otherwise. Yeah. And we lose our little girl dreams along the way. And part of what we talk about in midlife, Moxie, is reconnecting with your little mm. girl dreams, who you truly are, who your essence is, before you were given, like you said, those labels, yeah. before society treated you a certain way, before, you know, a, a male was put in power over you. And We've just received a lot of messages, but honestly, Julie, now there's no science behind this yet, but my personal thought is we've lived in this misogynistic world for a very long time, mm-hmm. and that has served the males very well. Agreed. And I'm not trying to be all feminazi on you, but there was no reason for the men who were in power to change that dynamic because it mm-hmm. served them. It serves them, yeah, absolutely. And then it came along to people also discovered that if the women were pitted against one another through jealousy Mm -hmm. and competition, that would further that dynamic. Yeah. And what we're seeing now is this generation of women saying, wait a minute, why are we at each other's throats? There's room for all of us. Mm. Why have we been competitive for men and for jobs and for money and for appearances and for the PTA presidency? (laughs) You know, why have we been pitted and set up this way? And it's, I don't know if it was intentional or it just evolved, but I, I, it's not served us. It has served other people. And so true. I think, you know, putting that fork in the sand and saying, we're not going to operate that way anymore. Being courageous enough to say, Julie, there's room for both of us. Susie, there's room for both of us. Karen, we're both beautiful. You know, Barbara, we can both have a podcast. We can both, mm-hmm. you know, be in the beauty industry. Yeah. And I agree with holding space. Holding space. I love it. I, I, you know, this is one of the reasons why I love hearing you because I've I've heard this message from you and it's really aligned. I'm lucky enough that I've had some really great males in my life that have been encouraging, you know, my dad, for instance, but he grew up with a strong woman. And he was told that he needed to also pave the way. Now there are things that my dad, you know, would say or do that um I think I'm like, oh my gosh. What a male thing to say. I mean, yeah. Right? I mean, but, my parents would say that they taught me to be strong, and they did in some mm-hmm. ways. But it was still, uh, like, my mother was very strong, but in her own way, as a background player. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, she was the background singer to my dad's life, basically. Yeah. But my dad, in recent, like, in the last year, Julie said to me, he was talking about his home. My mother has passed. My dad's not a great housekeeper. And he said, well, I don't really know how to do that. That's woman's work. 
and I almost fell off of his sofa. Mm. I thought you were speaking to your highly successful 55-year-old daughter and making a comment like that. Yeah. Me and you are going to have to go around, Dad. We're going to have to go around right now. We're going to have to duke it out of this den. But I didn't. I let it go. But I thought, wow. Still that yeah. same message, huh? But it's, 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 I think, um, and it goes back to what people are able to see, what they have seen in their, in, in their scope, right? And we can become what we see. And that, this for me is so important because I have nieces and, and, and nephews, obviously, but I want my nieces to see that you can be powerful. You can be in charge. And no, you cannot have it all. There's no such thing as balance. But there is that blend, and you make the choices of what's important, and you prioritize. Absolutely. You know, Julie, one thing I like to ask, you know, I have nieces who are 22 now. adore them. They're my twin nieces. I have two boys. My brother had two girls. So they're the, you know, I just, a lot of my world. And the conversations we've had with them, and even with my boys, is what do you want your life to look like? Mm, not what do you so want good. to be. Not do <laughs> what do you want to study. What do you want your life to look like? Then go yeah. study and build a career that suits that mm-hmm. yeah. rather than just choosing a career when your brain's not even fully developed and then try to shove your life into that. Mm-hmm. That is not, that whole dynamic has also not served women well because what have you seen happen to women, Julie? They pick a career, they get a job, they rock on two or three years, then they decide they want to have children. Mm-hmm. And a lot of careers are just not designed for you to take yeah. time out to have children, to have flexible hours, to be able to take a little time off and then come back to it. And we as women need to look at what we want. If we want to have children, what careers are going to work for us? What kind of dynamic can we carve out for ourselves rather yeah. than just say, oh, I want to be that. And then we find out because, Julie, I can't tell you how many women in my 27 years I've worked with that have master's degrees. They're Mm -hmm. very educated women and they're not using it at all because they want to stay home with their children. And they chose a career that didn't allow a bridge. It did not Mm. allow you to do both. But here's what I want women to know. You can have more than you ever have. Yes. I have been able to bridge having a career and homeschooling a child, which is a very unusual combination. Um, But those kind of things are available to us as women now through job sharing, work at home. Mm -hmm. Um, Careers allow you to set your own hours. Careers allow you to step away and come back to. We just need to not only step into those spaces, make those the most desired positions so that the others have to change, but also speak with our voices to demand change that makes it possible for women to do all the things they want to do. Things like on-site yep. daycare, things like flexible hours. Mm-hmm. Who said you had to go to work from eight to five? Yeah, I hate absolutely. random rules like that. Is that in the Bible? Was that a, I mean, is nope. that in the Constitution? Where the hell did that come well, from? Well, it comes from, you know, the, 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 I, oh my gosh, I, I'm, I'm going to get in trouble, you know, but yeah, I, I think that it comes from that industrialized uh, background where, you know, from sun up to sundown, and when we moved into factories, you know, that nine to five, but people didn't realize that there is room for doing so many different things. I think that if anything, the pandemic has allowed us to see what is possible because, you yes. know, for instance, the companies, uh, the company that I worked for, and, you know, we really, um, one of the things that I pushed for, um, I was lucky enough that I could work from home and commute into New York either for the day or overnight, but mm-hmm. we weren't doing or allowing our employees to do a lot of that work from home. 
Um, and I don't know why, you know, and, and, and I would say, well, if I can do it, why can somebody else do it? And there was that antiquated thinking like, no, you have to be here. You are more productive together. You need to be with each other. But that's not true. And now we're really rewriting and we're really coming into our own. And I think that it all goes back to asking the right question. Well, how can I instead of like, I can't. And just settling for the I can't. And that's one yeah. of the things what that I can think people I need do? to do. Yeah, for sure. What can happen? You're mm-hmm. so right, Julie, because I'll tell you, every job that I had when I didn't work for myself, I was late. And I was usually late from lunch, too. But by the same token, I was one of the most productive people there. Mm-hmm. I, I was my boss's right-hand girl. I got the job done. I did it with excellence. So why did it matter if I got there at 8.05? You know, mm-hmm. I'm not that great in the morning. And I'll tell you this, too. Um, we don't allow for the struggles that women have. Like, we know that women are way more prone to migraine headaches. If yeah. you've ever had to have a migraine headache and get to a job at 8 a.m. in the morning after you dropped your kid off from school and made breakfast, fed the dog, drove the 30-minute commute, whatever— that is hell. Mm. That is just hell. And yeah. if you've been, had a migraine the night before, you have the migraine hangover. If you're having your period, I know we laugh that off, but Julie, that's true. My periods would render me in the fetal position a lot. Oh, of me too. I don't miss them at all. By the way, I mean, I was a ten ibuprofen a day habit girl for years. Mm. Yeah, you and, and me both. Society has made no allowances for these things that we suffer through that men don't have to struggle with. I mean, they may have a kidney stone. They'll let you have time off for that. You don't get Mm -hmm. to come in late because you're having your period. You don't get to, um, you know, lay down the floor of your office and work that way. You know, we've made no exceptions. We ask women to have a baby and come back in six weeks, whether you feel like it or not. We, we go through menopause. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I had such pain in menopause with cramps. I would wake up at night and was having a bad dream, it was a bad dream at that moment, that I was having a baby. That's how bad the pain was. My body thought I was having delivery pains. And losing so much blood. And I worked in the medical field prior. Mm -hmm. And I do remember working with a friend of mine, and she was going through it. And we had to wear these white slacks. Now, Julie... I, I know the where you're going. The stress of that, the stress of white slags, and when you're going through menopause. I mean, we just do not make the workforce really conducive to women sometimes. And why? There is no reason. Mm, there is I, no I reason agree. for most of us. Now, if you are a surgical nurse and you need to be there for someone's surgery, by all means, please be on time. And choose a job that requires that. Because some people, like my husband, is there before the doors open in the morning to his mm-hmm. office. I mean, yeah. he's Johnny on the spot. He's a morning person. But really look at that. And because for a long time, and here's I'm kind of wrap this in a package, I was made to feel less than mm-hmm. and like I wasn't good when I would be late or I had a migraine and couldn't do, mm-hmm. you know, couldn't get there. And you're probably not going to get promoted if you're being late and having migraines or you have a right. child that's ill and have to be out. But that was all untrue. I was very worthy. I was very smart. I was very talented and very capable. I just needed the right situation. So my message to women is find the situation where you thrive rather than trying to fit your square peg into that round hole. When I got into working for myself, I mean, by all standards, I'm a big success in what I've done. And it was because I found a fit. I found a place that Mm. I could truly be me. And I could work within my strengths and not worry about my yeah. weaknesses. I make my own time frame. And sometimes I'm late to that. And that's okay. 
Well, I, I love what you're saying because I think that sometimes we don't think that it's possible and really being able to know what your strengths are is so important. You alluded to being an Enneagram 8. Um, <laughs> do you do you feel that knowing that, you know, what your strengths and weaknesses are really helps you also lead others? 100%. You know, when you know yourself better you can quiet some of the voices in your head and some of the critics. And when you know yourself better, I can have confidence to sit here and tell you what I'm good at and what I'm not. Mm. I don't have to be good at every little thing. I can boldly say, I'm not good at X. (laughs) And I know my, my set, but because I've stayed the Enneagram and I know that that's not a bad thing, it's just the way I'm wired and that I have all these strengths over here that does not ding my confidence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But as a leader, what it has done is, especially when I'm putting together events or I'm putting people into positions for something, it allows me to put them in a position where they can thrive and oh, they can so have good. the best contribution. And what I've noticed with women, once again, is you have those alpha women who rise up. You've seen them. They lead vacation Bible school. They yeah. are over the PTA, the Boy Scouts. It's the same ones. Yeah. But what happens is you have these other women, these more introverted people, these quieter Mm -hmm. people that have amazing skills, but nobody's given them a chance. And they're not the women that raise their hand and ask to be noticed. Because they can second guess themselves. And and they've spent so much time hearing other people's definition or, or, you know, comparing. I did a TikTok yesterday exactly on this. We compare and despair. And anytime that we do that, we're not spending time in our own zone of genius. And we need to remind ourselves that my skills are just as good. And I love that you're alluding that there are other women that have tremendous capabilities and skills. And knowing as a leader that others can do something better than you can and and shine at it and Knowing, giving them that opportunity. My, yeah, it's great. Yeah, yeah. Having my confidence, which is your wheelhouse, Julie, mm-hmm. that allowed me to not feel threatened by mm. pulling other women up. Yeah. By giving other women a chance. It allowed me to let go and know I didn't have to do everything. Yeah. And that I could look around the room and identify someone who wouldn't normally be asked and give her that moment and let yeah. her run with it and mm-hmm. then applaud her for it. And when that happened, and I was able to put that in practice, first of all, it felt amazing. But secondly, it created this beautiful mosaic of women contributing and getting to use their skills, and they felt connected. And it just wove into a tapestry that made the entire thing stronger and Mm -hmm. better and more cohesive. And it was just beautiful, Julie. It was just beautiful. Yeah. It also helps me to know how to lead the people that I mm-hmm. have in my path um, because I have a big mouth. I'm a bit of a smart ass. <laughs> I'm a joker. And I, my mouth gets way I ahead of my brain. I think those are great skills personally. So <laughs> <laughs> You can relate. I can relate. I, mean, I think I was Italian in my last life or something very gregarious where, you know, you just just that uproarious laughter and cutting up is my jam. And I, I just yesterday learned that there's a group that doesn't appreciate those kind of jokes and that kind of, um, you know, knocking around when it's critiquing them. Well, certainly and, not my people, if that's the case. Yeah. <laughs> and I love some of those people. It, it's helped me to understand my husband better mm-hmm. and how just changing a sentence 
where I'm communicating the same message, but how I say it to him mm. can either be damaging or motivating. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, what do we want to do as leaders? We want to motivate people, inspire mm-hmm. people. We don't want to damage people. So, yeah. you know, I have a partner in Midlife Moxie and she's an Enneagram 7. That's me. <laughs> so, uh, but you know what we have learned to do to talk in our numbers? And it sounds like this. Like I'll say to her, hey, um, when you're in your sevenness like that, it makes my eight a little crazy. Yeah. It makes my eight lose my mind. And it makes me get more eight. And you really don't want that because then I get kind of bossy. And she laughs and I laugh. But we're able to communicate in a way mm-hmm. that doesn't feel like a personal attack. So I, yeah. I'm all about the Enneagram. I'm, I'm all about, you know, so I don't know the any. I mean, other than knowing, you know, I'm, I'm an Enneagram seven wing eight. Um, other than knowing that I, um, I know the disc personality profile. Oh, so much more. And yes. my husband and I do um, speak disc to each other. Yeah, you like, can guess my disc. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. I can guess D-I. your disc. I, I'm a D-I. DI. I am like right smack in the middle of the DI, a Me little too. more D than I. But yeah, you know what I say, Julie? Yeah. I say my I keeps my D from being such a bitch, and my D keeps my I on track. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly how it works out for me. You know, absolutely. I totally agree. I think that if I wasn't an I, the D would definitely be, you know, that bitch on wheels that you just don't want to be around. And and my I is the one that makes me endearing, even when I'm a D. <laughs> I love that. Okay, can you hear can you me? Hear, yep, I can hear you. Okay, I'm sorry. So my, my thing was unstable. It switched me to a different camera. It's going correct. There we go. There you go. Um, good. What I've noticed too, when you think about confidence, mm-hmm. is by knowing the Enneagram, I don't take the behaviors of others as personally. Like mm-hmm. I have a friend yep. who's a one. Ones are highly critical people. Mm-hmm. But when I learned that she has a compulsion for things to be right and correct, yeah, but she because I used to think she's so critical. I need her to quit criticizing me. Why is she so critical? When I learned that that was her compulsion and it was about that rightness, it had nothing to do with me. Mm-hmm. I was able to just let it go, and I I can even say to her, "Hey, I know you really need that to be that way, but I'm okay with this with it yeah. being like this and not perfect." So again, it helped that communication. I mm-hmm. could see where she was coming from, and I could acknowledge her. And so now I don't go around, you know. Like we say, oh, with my little feelings hurt and she feels hurt. Yeah, for sure. And I think that this is, um, you know, um, I tell my clients all the time, no one can hurt your feelings. You hurt your feelings by what you're thinking. And this is not something I came up with and it's not my own genius. It is something that I learned from my mentor. She learned it from her mentor. She learned it from her mentor. But it's it, it's so true. Our thoughts and what we choose to believe something means or what we choose to believe that when a person said that, that they, you know, then that thought is the one that causes us pain. And when we start to shift, it's like, you know what? It's okay. Maybe they did mean to be hurtful. Maybe they did, you know, want this to to sting a little. But 
it doesn't define me. Their opinions doesn't define me. Their thoughts and their words are just that. Their thoughts and words, and they're theirs. They're not mine. And we, we learn to get the result we want for our lives when we start to shift how we are thinking. And that's super important. Um, Gail, I was wondering for you, you know, as you're continuing this journey, you've launched this successful podcast. You're creating a community. You continue to lead women. What would you say is the most important thing that you would want to leave as a legacy? Oh gosh, that's big. Um, <laughs> I like going I want, big. <laughs> I, I, I do too. I've got to give that a moment. That's woo, sit in that a moment. That's a big one. A legacy. First of all, I do want to leave a legacy. Let's start there. Mm. I don't think a lot of women think about leaving a legacy. They're just like, I just want to get to the end and people like me. You know, there's people that don't like me. Let's just be clear. But that doesn't mean yeah. they don't respect me. <laughs> I want to leave a legacy that, can I say this? Can I say what I would like people to remember and think about me? Sure. I want people to feel like I impacted their life in a positive way, <laughs> that I helped them to believe that could be more than they thought. Beautiful. That I encouraged them to live life outside the box. That was the mm. name of our homeschool, too. To, to not just accept something as the way it's always been or what society says or what some antiquated rule says. So I guess I would want my legacy to be to inspire people mm-hmm. to live good and true lives. So beautiful. To not just do the bullshit eight to five, mm-hmm. raise two kids, drive a Volvo, have a, you know, designer dog, you know, really live a full impactful, meaningful life and live, live in a true version of yourself mm-hmm. yeah. and not what you think society wants you to be. I think that that's a, such a great message. And it's certainly something that by what you're doing, you're redefining and you're rewriting. We hope that so. You, you are. And I, and I see that. And I think that you're opening up for conversations that I think a generation ago, our mothers probably would have like, what? No, we're not going to talk about that. But now you no, are creating space. No, they didn't space. even tell their – they did not – my mother did not have a sisterhood like I do. Mm-hmm. It, it just wasn't yeah. a thing back then. She was a mom. That's all she was supposed to be right. apparently. But, you know – Julie, what uh, one thing that I think kind of led me here too is as I worked with women in this 27 years I've been in a business where I was working with women, I just noticed so many women in pain, mm. so many women who were fearful. They yeah. did not have the confidence. They were not being true versions. They were shells <laughs> of yeah. a person just kind of sometimes couldn't even hardly look you in the eye, just scooting along. <laughs> and anytime you like encourage them, hey, why don't we try this color? That Just trying a bold lipstick color was so frightening yeah. to so many women. Yeah, for sure. I was taken aback by that, Julie, because mm. lipstick wipes off. You don't have to wear it out in public. Just, it just that their confidence level was that low. Mm-hmm. And I looked at them and I'm like, I know there's more in there. I know yeah. there's more in there. Absolutely. And I wanted to be a champion for these women and a person that really encouraged them to come out of that mm-hmm. and move away from that. So, yeah. you know, some of this comes out of that heartbreak of seeing yeah. seeing women in those very vulnerable and... It is a vulnerable place to be. Right. I have to say, I may have to, I'm, I'm going to say something that may be a little controversial, but oh, follow, come on, let's go. Follow what I'm saying. Um, I'm ready. In, in my corporate career, I, 
I mean, I'm, I don't have children. And I made the conscious decision to not have children in my first marriage. And then when I married my my spouse now, when I married Dan, we wanted children. And it wasn't in the cards for us. It wasn't meant to be. And, and I understand that God had a plan. But mm-hmm. throughout my career, and even now, right, in, in climbing the corporate ladder, I have seen women define themselves. And, and listen, I did it. I defined myself by the title, you know, oh, I'm the executive director. Ooh, I'm the VP. Oh, I'm the chief innovation officer, all these titles. And when I lost my job or separated, got laid off, whatever you want to call it, I, I had to really face the reality that who was I? And I, and I want to mm. encourage women, especially moms, that we have to find our definition and we have to find our value, not by the job that we do, not by the role that we have, but by the the heart that we have so inside true. us, in 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 the person who we are. The job doesn't make us. And you know, I actually just had um, her name is Judith Gatton, and um, she's a phenomenal woman. She is a, a confidence coach also she um, works with women um, with their their style their you know teaches them to dress and and mm-hmm. um, she's phenomenal and this is another of the conversations that we were having she talks about how a lot of women have are so down on themselves you know they still wear their janky underwear <laughs> that they should not be wearing and that you know they're tugging at their underwear and they're wearing these like you know, holy underwear or whatever, you know, underwear. But, you know, when we start to really value ourselves, right, because we wouldn't let our kids or go out with Yankee underwear. We always make sure our kids look the best, have the best. And as moms, um, you know, we, and I say we, because I, I, you know, I do that for my nieces and nephews and I want to put them first, but women put others first so much and forget that they have so much value. And when all in the world is going on without them, then they feel so alone and they feel so unloved and they feel so lost. And I want women to know that um, stop defining yourself by the role that you have outside of who you are. I 100% agree. And, you know, society puts a lot of labels on us. Now, we mm-hmm. claim some for ourselves because I think that gives us power and importance. Right. But like you say, the, the danger in that is when that label is taken off, is there anything left? Mm. And we just, we don't need to be a shell of a person with, you know, Band-Aids all over us. We need to be that those Band-Aids are trying to catch up with us, you know, yeah. and they just ride along for a little while. But, um, you know, you touched on something else there, Julie, that I just have to speak about, and that's loneliness. Mm-hmm. There's something else we really noticed with women, with women, that especially women who had raised children, that they had made friends with, like, their children's friends' moms. Mm-hmm. They made friends at the Boy Scouts. They made friends right. down at the school. They made friends on the PTA board. And most of their friendships, you know, were related to that position. Right. And then when those children were gone and there was no longer that connection, or even when their kids got to be 16, 17, and you were no longer taking them to play dates, they realized they had no other social circle. Right. Agreed. And they... They were very lonely. And I would hear women say, well, I don't have any friends. And I'm like, well, make some. And they're Uh like, oh, and I'm like, so part of my marching song has been, ask for what you want, Mm -hmm. figure out what you want and ask for it. If you want more friends, 
Put it out there. Hey, I'm looking to make some new friends. Go places where friends might be. Ask friends to connect you with other friends. I love connecting people, by the way. Me too. By the way, that's, I don't know if you see the sign. Um, You're going to be the first one I show it to other than my husband. So that is my word for the year. My word for the year is Mm. connection. And uh, I connected with this woman and I was telling her that's my word for the year. And she made me the sign. That so. is very cool. Now, say I love when somebody just affirms what you're doing. I love but it. But y'all, there are other women looking to make friends. Yeah, If you for want sure. a job change, put that out there. If you want, just be willing to claim it and say it. Mm. But, because the other side of that coin and what I have just observed in both personal and professional is we as women like to martyr ourselves. Mm. Like you said, the underwear, everybody's got good underwear and we're, we're trying to put our foot through the correct hole. That's actually a leg hole, <laughs> right. you know, that kind of thing. Y'all, yep. let me just tell you right now, martyrdom gets you nowhere no, because for here's sure. what happens. We in our mind actually think somebody's going to appreciate the sacrifices yeah. and appreciate what we didn't do for ourselves. And we sit in the corner and wait for that to happen. And when it doesn't come, we're angry, we're resentful, we're defeated. Oh, Just go so ahead true. and cut the bullshit, ladies. It's not it, it's not happening. Like Mel Robbins said, no one is coming to tell you how great you are mm-hmm. or affirm yep. you. If someone does, you're extra blessed. But with that said, knowing that no one is coming, maybe people can come. Maybe as we as women can be the one who affirms the other woman and says, look, I know your family doesn't appreciate you, but I see what you did there. Your kids look great. And go get yourself some Soma branches. I mean, some Soma good panties. Yeah. Maybe we can be the one that says, look, I notice you're staying home a lot and you don't seem to be getting out. Come meet my new group of friends. I believe Mm. in going after the girl that's in the cave. Go find her. You may be in a cave sometime and you need somebody to pull you out. Yeah. But- don't be sitting in the cave being a martyr because it's just not going to serve no. you. Trust and, and, me, and I've tried it over and over. Yeah, introverts also um, because I hear this a lot from from my clients who I encourage to go out and network. Right, um, putting yourself out there, and you and I believe that when we are networking or connecting with the other people, it's not about, oh my God, look at me who I am, right? Don't go out and be the I that you and I could be when we walk into mm-hmm. a room, right? You don't have to do that. You can just walk, pick one person and say, hey, um, and ask them about themselves. You don't have to even share about you. You can say, hey, tell me a little bit more about you. Mm-hmm. Have you been here for a long time? Do you enjoy this group? How long have you been coming to this event? Or what do you like about this event? Things like that. And when you sit at a different table, sit at a different table. You know, I, I, um, when we go to church, um, and and we, we haven't been going in true transparency because I have an autoimmune and my husband's like, Oh my God, you're going to be around a lot of people. But, um, when we used to, during normal circumstances, go to church, we always sat at the same place. Like, and, and then I thought, why are we sitting here? Like, let's go sit in another place. Um, because we become I can even so top that, Julie. Yeah. I used to be part of a Bible study many years ago. And I was the person that handled, like, the ordering of the books and the registration mm-hmm. and getting everything sorted. Well, we would divide into these smaller groups off of our big group. And they had a longstanding custom of like hand ordering those groups and they allowed people to say, if there's a group you want to be, you know, with your friend, you can put these names down. 
And this had been going on so long that there was one small group that could not even take on any more new people because they had so many people that had to be together because they had always been together. There was some beauty in that and there there was a place for that. But I'm like, we're a church. We're supposed to be a family. Mm. And we have all these new people, and you guys won't let them in. So what happens is all the new people wind up in a group of their own over here. Mm -hmm. And I said, why don't we just throw all the names in a hat? And unless there's something really serious, like it's your mother-in-law and she doesn't know another person here, something like that, that we just draw the names out of the hat. So good. Julie, you would have thought I said, let's go out there and take the steeple down. I've I mean, been you, there. <laughs> you, let's put a let's put a goat on the altar. You would have thought I yeah. said something that crazy. Yeah. These women looked at me. I said, y'all. And at the it's time, we true. were in a Presbyterian church, and they believed in predestination and all that anyway. And said, y'all believe in that? Do you not think God's got this worked out of who should be in which group anyway? Do y'all not trust what you really say? Come right. on. You know, that and happened they thought in our church, bonkers. too. We have, we have these home groups, and um, we've always had every quarter we have new groups come about, and we encourage people to sign up for different ones. And there was one particular group that everybody just kind of wanted to stay together. And... I loved it. I mean, I, I loved the people that I w- that were in the group. I hung out with them. I still do, and I enjoy it. But you know, we sort of kind of despair, dis- disbanded, and it was good because then we can meet other people. Mm-hmm. And there's so much value in in just getting to know you know different people and, and expanding your horizons. You know, we grow when we are Make challenged. Room for the new girl, for invite sure. her to come over to your group. Invite That's right. her to I, I, another story of a Bible study I was in. It was a new church because we moved away from this town mm-hmm. for um four years four or five years and then we moved back five years and when we came back we went to a new church and i joined this bible study and so you know you come to the end and everybody's like well does anybody have anything to say you know and they're going around i said well here's here's me I, you know i just want y'all to know that i love making new friends and so i'd love to get to know you guys if any of you guys ever want to get coffee or lunch i'm just a person that believes in asking for what you want as women and we stand around lonely and it doesn't need to be that way so mm. i'm open i'm game if you could have seen the looks on their faces, they were so shocked that I would say something so <laughs> outrageous. And I'm like, are we not in Bible study together here? Can we not? Like, why y'all look yeah, at me so it's, funny? It's I mean, people it out of their comfort zone. Room. It, it, it rocked, I mean, it rocked yes. their world for sure. You'd have thought I said, I'm going to date your husband. I mean, it was so funny to see the look on their faces that I would be so bold. I'm like, why do we dance yeah. around these things? I'm not saying anything crazy. Why wouldn't that be a normal part of conversation? Hey, I'd like to get to know you guys. Let's have lunch. If you may want to get coffee, let me know. Oh, well, Gail, I, w- I would have coffee with you thing. anytime. If you live down the road, we would. Hey, when I'm in Connecticut, it's going down, girl. Yeah, same here when I'm. I'm but why I'm, would that be a strange thing to it's, say? It's, yeah, I don't, I don't get that. You know, like I've been, I've traveled around the world and I'm the person that if there's no table, I'll find a table and say, hey, it's okay if I sit here. I'm okay. I re- I did that in Russia with my ex-husband and I, and I thought he was going to lose his mind but you know what can i tell you like let's make friends let's figure out who these people are you want if you don't need new friends this one thing but the same woman who will sit there not say anything will go home and be (laughs) lonely and tell her one friend that she's lonely right and and here's the thing i just heard um i and i've talked about it a couple different times but there is a research i heard renee brown talk about how there's a research study that talks about how Loneliness has the same deadly effect than 
um, smoking, being overweight, uh, diabetes, wow. and it shortens your life by 15 years. Loneliness wow. has such a powerful emotion that can lead to that type of ending for you. And, and, and overall, there's no reason to be lonely. If you are, you know, even sitting around listening to this podcast, I want you to know that there are amazing women like Gail out there who are willing to be your new friend who are creating communities that I you can connect with friend. and learn. So um, make sure that you connect with Gail. Gail, how can people find you? Well, let me say this one thing before you tell me that because yeah. it's funny. Uh, you know, you said, how can people find you in communities? I realize that some women's parking lot for friends is full. Mm. But what I like to say is I'll pay more space. So if you want to be my oh, friend, so I will pay more space for you. We will just keep going. I can't have too many. But I'm over on the Instagram at Gail S. Scott. There's that actual extra S in there. The other was taken, but it's G-A-I-L. Um, you can find me on Facebook. You can find us over at Midlife Moxie mm. Podcast at gmail.com if you want to send a message or have a show idea. Then we also have midlifemoxie.net where you can read our blog. And the cool thing about our blog, it's just not myself and Christina yammering on and on. We invite people that are on our podcast to write for Ooh, us fun. so that you can get more of their content and we can just have a place that's just full of whatever you might need. Awesome. You can also sign up for the newsletter there, and we're not going to spam you. We honestly don't have time, but <laughs> we will let you know when there's an event, and we do have our first Moxie meetup coming up. Ooh. I think it's going to be in March, and that's going to be a Zoom event where you get to talk back to the Moxie girls Ooh, and some of our um, experts. Yeah, we would love sign to have you. Me up. And then if you do like my reels over on Instagram, I have an upcoming workshop on February 9th. It's only $49 for an hour's worth of content that Ooh. will take you from not even knowing what the reels button is to doing your first reel. So, so we'd good. love to have you join that. And you can message me about that if you're interested. Oh my God. Okay. So I'm loving every single thing. I have a question for you now um, because uh -oh. I, I've been admiring your makeup and as we're getting ready to close, but I've been admiring your makeup and um, you need to come to the Confident You Facebook group and give us a makeup tutorial because I need to update I my makeup to. technique. So Ooh, maybe we'll set to. that off offline. Um, I would love to. You know, Julie, like I said, it's not about being fake or having anybody do anything they don't want. Mm. But most women do have makeup questions. And yeah, what sure. they don't realize is that the only difference in how they look and how the next girl looks is she has better skills and better products. That's yeah. it. It's not that That's she's it. prettier. You take all this makeup off and <laughs> uh, we just won't even talk about well, that. Well, listen, but you always look on point. I'm admiring your eyeshadow. I need some updates for how I do oh, my eyeshadow. So you must have missed it. the post this week when I it was way, I posted a, how I woke up and then how it looked later. Oh, I did not see it. I'm going to have to go oh, check it out. You'll have to go back and look because I was right in the midst of this sinus infection. <laughs> so I woke up and I'm like, I cannot believe I look like this. Yeah. You know, the first thing, the first day that I had enough energy after COVID to put my makeup on, I immediately felt so much better. And I'm like, yeah. oh, I feel alive. <laughs> I had to give it a few hours because my face was so puffy and I had those lines from the sheet marks. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. I had a puffy face from the sinus infection and then the lines were right deep mm. into that. 
and I put my hair up in a scrunchie and it was off to the side. I mean, go look. You, if you, okay, I'm going to go say, check it if, out. If there's hope for that girl, she can teach me to do some makeup. Well, you are amazing. You're doing some wonderful thing. And thank you so much for creating Midlife Moxie. People, go check out the podcast. Make sure that you connect with Gail. We're going to have all her information in the show notes. And she's going to come to the Confident You Facebook group. Because yes. we need to update our makeup, people. So I'm thank you excited. so much, Gail. And don't forget, go confidently in the direction of your dreams. Julie, thank you for having me. It means so much that you trust me with your valued audience. You're amazing. And thank get you so your much. Moxie on. Get your moxie. I will. Thanks for joining us this week on the Casa de Confidence podcast with Julie DeLuca Collins. Remember to check her out on Instagram and Facebook and always click subscribe to catch every new episode. Remember, leave a review so we can continue to bring you fresh content. And as always, everybody. I know that sometimes we get very lonely in this entrepreneur journey, and I want to invite you to join us into our limited time only Purposeful You Mastermind. For many of us entrepreneurs, we believe that we can do it all, but the reality is that doing it alone only creates a lot of overwhelm. So join us at the Purposeful You Mastermind. You can find out more information by going to bit.ly forward slash Julie's Mastermind. This is going to be the place where you are able to then unlock your full potential and achieve long-term success for your business, push you behind your current limits, expand your connections discover new ideas, and implement them with confidence. You're going to get the support in all aspects and transforming you to the six-figure business you've been looking for. Pause and get off the hamster wheel if you've been spinning around. This is a time where you can get that support from like-minded entrepreneurs that are here to join you in your journey. Together, we can challenge the assumptions and land the speaking engagements and opportunities we want to grow our business and make an impact in the lives of people. See you then. Remember, you can find the mastermind at bit.ly, Julie's Mastermind.